It's interesting how a single word can stir in us all different feelings. Think for just a moment about the word once. What do you feel when you think about the word once? If we went around the room today, we'd find out there's all different types of emotions around that word. Once is used throughout scriptures, depending upon your English translation, to describe all those different feelings that, that it evokes within us. The scripture we're looking at today from Colossians chapter 1 starts with this word. And I want you to listen to it. And then I want you to see, what do you feel when you hear this verse? What does it mean to you? Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present us holy and blameless and free from accusation. How does that once describe your life? Were you once alienated from God? Were your behavior that which was evil? Were your minds as enemies to God? I hope that once was, and now is no longer that way, right? Once I was that way, but now I'm different. I think about the word once in the Bible, and you think about how we use it, and quite often it's about a number, isn't it? A one-time event. Something happens once. You don't have to tell me a second time, right? I got it the first time. Once was enough. Or one time, it just happened once in my life. I think about the Hebrew people under the Mosaic Law and how annually and many times throughout different festivals throughout the year, they had to continually repeat these sacrifices for their sins and for other things to be pleasing to God. And yet, one time, at the right time, the right moment, Jesus arrives, doesn't he? And everything instantly changes. Everything is no longer the same. Because of that at once event, that one time happening, Jesus sacrificed for our sins once and for all. Aren't you glad we no longer have to sacrifice a bunch of animals? to bring forgiveness for our sins, or to point to a future Redeemer. I look in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 through 28, and I see three one-time events here. They're all tied in together, and yet they're all related to that once and only thing that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us. Notice, just as people are destined to do what? To die how many times? once, and after that to face the judgment. So Christ was sacrificed how many times? Once to take away the sins of many, and he'll appear a second time. He'll just return one other time, right? And this time not to bear our sins, but he will bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. 
that one-time event, once and for all, changes your destiny as a child of God, doesn't it? You die once, but Christ died once and for all for my sins, so that when he returns, guess what I get? Salvation, once and for all, and for a lifetime. When you think about the word once, you think about at once, don't you? Something that you do immediately, as Jesus had been teaching in his earthly ministry and certain men had heard him, it records in Luke chapter 5 that when Jesus now decides to make this call, and he calls these fishermen, notice the next slide, calls these fishermen, and he says, come follow me. You know what the scriptures say? At once, they left their nets and followed him. They sensed, they knew that this was life-changing, that this was something so very, very important and crucial. They had to respond at once. Later, Jesus will see the tax collector, Matthew, there at his tax table, remember? And Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew, at once, leaves his business behind to follow after Jesus. What is the Philippian jailer and Lydia, the woman by the river? And what do the people at Pentecost all have in common? When they heard the gospel of Christ and their hearts were convicted by that message and they knew they needed Jesus Christ as Lord, what did they do? At once, their response was to be baptized in the name of Jesus, to have their sins forgiven. I think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his ministry of miracles. Look at this miracle here in Luke chapter 5 of the paralyzed man. That's lowered in the next slide right here. This paralyzed man at once got up and walked. The blind who could not see by the word of Jesus at once could see. The deaf who could not hear at once could hear. The winds and the waves that were out of control. When Jesus spoke to them at once, what happened? They're still. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, when the sick are before him, at once they're healed. And even the dead, even the dead, when Jesus speaks to them, they arise from the ground or from the grave at once. It's immediate. It's at once. So it can represent a number. It can be that idea of at once. It can also be, when I think about once, sorrow. Once upon a time. It can be that of regret, of of looking back to the past. And there's a marker there that is not a good marker. It's one of regret. When you look to the past, you don't want to look there because that marker keeps coming up. And it's filled with sorrow and mourning when you think about your past. What once was. I think about David in Psalm 51. and, And David is talking about what's haunting him, isn't he? What he once did, bones are aching, my heart is broken, my spirit is crushed, I am distressed, I'm alienated from God, I'm distant from him, I'm filled with guilt. And David, above all, desires that when he looks back, he can find relief, have freedom, instead of this haunting guilt 
It happened once upon a time. He wants to go back before that marker to when he used to praise God and teach others about God and to rejoice with God and sing praises to God and, and be filled with steadfastness and purity. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. That's what he wants to get away from. So for once, people sometimes, they think it's regret. And then for others, the idea of once means a longing, a longing for yesterday. Yesterday was better than today and my tomorrows, right? Once upon a time, remember when I used to, and all the stories and all their life is about yesterday. And yesterday is always better than today or tomorrow, once upon a time, right? And so people quit living in the present, and they don't look forward to tomorrow because their life was in yesterday. And so that, that longing, that yearning, once again, once more to return back and we have these memories, and most of them are compressed. They're not really real. We think it happened that way, but over time, they kind of get all compressed a little bit. It becomes a new reality. But we begin to think that yesterday is better than today and will be better than our tomorrows. Ron referred to this earlier, but the children of Israel. I mean, they have received their redemption. They are freed from the slavery of Egypt that had been going on for some 400 years. Remember that? And now in their present day of distress and anxiety, and they think their future is pretty uncertain, they long, oh, I wish we could go back to when we had watermelon and onions and leeks and cucumbers and we had all the meat we wanted to eat. Oh, what reality are you living in? You spent 430 years in slavery and the last few years were tougher than the others. You didn't have those things back then. You didn't have that comfort. You did not have that security that you're talking about now that you're longing for. But memories are good about taking out the bad stuff and remembering the good stuff and exaggerating the good stuff. So all of a sudden, our yesterdays just seem so much better than today or our tomorrows. Once upon a time. Once upon a time is used for fairy tales and used quite often for many people who created their own fables about yesterday. But once is also used, and here's what we're getting to today, as a marker of transformation. This is the now. Once I was this way, but now I'm this way. Once it was like this, once upon a time, but now my day and my tomorrows are better than yesterday. Something happened in my life that was transforming, that changed me for the good. That's what Peter means in 1 Peter 2. At one time in your life, you didn't have any mercy, but now you have mercy. How did, how did you receive that mercy? Because at once in your life, you found Jesus. And because of Jesus, changed your life, didn't it? Absolutely changed it, transformed it to the point of where now you have the mercy of God. Amen? 
Then I think about this idea of today much better than your yesterdays. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 11, wrongdoers do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's your yesterday without Christ. And that is what you once were. See? But now notice the phrase that goes with it. Once you were that way, but now. See it? But now you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I once was this way, but now I'm transformed. Isn't that what we celebrate today in worship? Isn't what we celebrate every day of our life living for God in that holy walk that he's called us to do? Once was this way, but now I'm this way. So you go to Colossians 1, and you see the meaning here, don't you? Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But what? See it? There's a transformation. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you how? Holy and blameless and free from accusation. Once I was alienated. Once I had a rebellious heart. Once I had evil behavior. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, I am reconciled. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. Well, as funny as this may sound, I am holy and blameless and pure because of what God has done for me through Christ's death on the cross for my sins. That once and for all sacrifice for my sins so that when I'm destined once to die, when my Lord returns and wakes me up from that death, I get to spend eternity with Him. Amen? In the salvation that He brings to me. What a, what a blessing. And it's by Christ's physical body. Larry mentioned it earlier. Today is Passover. That's the biblical. That's the biblical festival. That's the biblical celebration. And Passover is when our Lord and Savior died. Now, Passover and Easter so many times are so different when they're celebrated. Why is that? It's, very, it's just pretty simple. Easter is affixed to a day, a Sunday. Passover is affixed to a date that God gave. On that date, on that Jewish calendar, every year, regardless if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever day that falls on, you celebrate the Passover. That's what God designated. And so Passover is affixed by God by that date. Easter was created by the Romans, the Roman Catholic Church, give a chance for pagans to celebrate Christianity once they were Christians. And so you have them taking and saying that the first Sunday after the full moon of the spring equinox will always be Easter. So tomorrow is the full moon of this spring. So next Sunday is Easter. God said, okay. Said it way before we had Christianity. Full moon, Passover, first day of that new month that I give you. It's Passover. There's always a full moon somewhere around Passover. But the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, his physical death on the cross, once and for all, is our Passover lamb. 
Do you remember what the Passover is all about? The last of the plagues coming upon Egypt. Try to get Pharaoh's attention. Each time Pharaoh just hardened his heart more and more and became more and more stubborn and just refused to listen. And so God said, okay, here's the final one. I'm going to send the angel of death, the firstborn of everything in all the land of Egypt. Everything, animals included, will be killed unless they have the blood of the Passover lamb on their doorpost. And the Hebrews who put that blood of that on their doorpost, when that angel of death came, the firstborn of everything in their house was saved. It was rescued. It was delivered. And if you didn't have the blood covering you, you were not saved. And you came under judgment once and for all. Now, now here's the beauty. In Christ's physical death is our Passover lamb. And he died the same time time that the lamb was being offered in the temple at 3 p.m. on Passover. Here's the beauty of it. Christ's death, his blood shed for our sins, shed on that cross. Listen to me. It redeems you, it saves you, it delivers you once and for all. And there is no other way. There's not plan number two. There's not another one coming. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And it lasts for eternity. Once I was alienated. Once I was an enemy in my mind. Once I was an enemy through my evil behavior. But now I have been reconciled by the Passover lamb of Jesus who saved me, redeemed me, and brought me to God. So my todays and my tomorrows are always better, always better than yesterday that once upon a time. Now, let's go and look at this in Colossians 1.23. How do we respond to that? Here's this conditional word, right? Conditional word. If you do what? See, if you will do what? Continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. The big if. Conditional. What's my response? I'm going to respond by staying established and firm in my faith and not moving from the hope from the gospel. How can I do that? Because I remember once I was alienated. Once I was an enemy of God. Once I was filled with evil behavior. But now, Christ transformed me and Christ saved me. And this is the beautiful part about what God has done for us. He's replaced all that with this new, beautiful life of peace and forgiveness and love through Christ Jesus. I love Psalm 103, and I want to put this all together by looking at this. Ties all this in. One of my favorite parts of Scripture in the Bible. It talks about my Lord. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse or harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. 
from everlasting to everlasting. The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Colossians 1, 19 through, talks about that once, what God has done for us. And what God has done for us through Jesus Christ is given us his grace. That past is forgiven. Our present is now with purpose. And our tomorrow is secured because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Now, one final thought about this word once. We've set this up. You have to think about the word grace, don't you? The word grace. Thank you for that grace. Think about the song we sing. That song that's been sung over the years and will continue to be sung. It's about that grace. You remember the words to it? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. Thank you, God, through Jesus Christ, who has brought us and made our days and tomorrows better than the once upon a time. Thank you, Lord, for that. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation anyway this morning, elder will be in the front to help you with that, or you can meet with one of our elders after service. But please make that decision today as we now stand and sing this next song.